Hello and welcome to another edition of Maplewood Barn Radio Theater, brought to you in conjunction with KBIA. This evening's installment is an adaptation of a chiller mystery called The Ghost with the Club Foot by Robert Barr. It was first published in 1906 in a volume called The Triumphs of Eugene Valmont. Monsieur Valmont was Robert Barr's ironic parody of Sherlock Holmes, and while stories such as this one seem to have elements of gothic horror as well as mystery, the tales were actually written by Barr as a poke at his good friend Conan Doyle. And so, the Maplewood Barn Radio Players now bring you our adaptation of Robert Barr's short story, The Ghost with the Clubfoot. When the young lady first came to see me, I mistook her for a transcriptionist, that is, a typist, since her introduction to me had been typed. But my butler assured me that, no, the lady wished to see me not about typewriting, but regarding a case that she'd hoped might interest me. Her subdued manner indicated that the world had been cruel to her. I rose and placed a chair at her disposal as if my caller had been a royal princess. I claim no credit for this. This is my nature. Thank you, sir. Madam, in what way may I serve you? Perhaps you have read in the newspapers of the tragedy at Rentrimley Castle? Uh, the name, madam, is familiar to me. There was a letter to the editor of the Times, if I recall correctly, about the proposed demolition of Rantremley Castle. The writer called it an act of vandalism. Yes, the new Lord Rantremley is determined to demolish this ancient stronghold and to use its stone to erect a modern residence. And is that the tragedy of which you speak? Oh, no. I mean the death of the 11th Lord Rantremley about six weeks ago. For ten years, Lord Rantremley lived practically alone in the castle. Servants would not remain there because the place was haunted. Up to a month and a half ago, Lord Rantremley was waited on by a butler older than himself and, if possible, more wicked. Haunted, you say? Please, go on. One morning, this old butler came up the stairs with Lord Rantremley's breakfast on a silver tray. No one knows how the accident happened, because the old servant was going up the stairs instead of coming down, but the steps are very smooth and slippery. At any rate, he seems to have fallen from the top to the bottom and broken his neck. Lord Rantremley found him shortly thereafter and had a fit of paralysis. Then how were they found? They were discovered by the man who arrived every morning to light the fires. The servant, dead, and Lord Rantremley, a helpless paralytic. The physicians say that only his eyes seemed alive and they were filled with a great fear. His right hand was but partially disabled, and with that he tried to scribble something which proved indecipherable. And then he died. And it is the present Lord Rantremley who proposes to destroy the castle? Yes. Is he the son of the late Lord? No, a distant relative. The branch of the family to which he belongs has been engaged in commerce, I believe. Well, madam, no doubt this is all extremely interesting and rather gruesome. In what way are you concerned in these occurrences? My name is Sophia Brooks. Ten years ago, I replied to an advertisement for a typist and was hired by a nobleman, Lord Rantremley. He wanted me to sort and catalogue documents related to the Stuart exile in France. It was a somber place of residence, but the work was congenial and the salary was good. 
It seems strange that a sinister man such as Lord Rand Trimley would have such a desire to promote historical research. Indeed. I soon found he felt nothing but contempt for it. However, he had undertaken it at the behest of his only son, then a young man of my own age at Oxford University. So Lord Rand Trimley showed little interest in your work? Not only was he disinterested, he was harsh and brutal, with frightful outbursts of temper. Yet he paid so well there was no difficulty finding servants. Until, some years ago, when the ghost appeared. A ghost? And you saw it? Yes, he was very tall, but had a deformity in the shape of a club foot and walked with a halting step. It is said to be a hereditary affliction, sometimes skipping generations, and sometimes not. Both the late Lord Rantremley and his Oxfordian son have club feet. I am not a believer in the supernatural, of course. But nevertheless, it is strange that within the past few years, everyone residing in the castle has heard the club-footed ghost. And now, title and estates descend to a family that were utter strangers to the Round Tremleys. Well, madam, this sounds most alluring, but I'm... Please allow me to come directly to the heart of the matter. I became familiar with Reginald, the Lord's heir, on his trips home from Oxford, and the happiest days of my life began. He was completely different from his father, except in one respect the deformity of the club foot. Yes, this is all very interesting, madame, but my time to is... To cut short a recital which must be trying to your patience, our companionship resulted in our marriage, which took place in the chapel housed in the castle. As the old clergyman was finishing the service, Lord Rantremley and his butler burst into the chapel, and when Reginald attempted to defend me... The maddened nobleman struck his son full in the face with his fist, and my husband lay dead on the stone floor. I was led roughly to my lord's private study, where I was forced to type a letter dictated by Lord Rantremley, which demanded two thousand pounds to be paid to me. Otherwise, I would claim to be the wife of his son, secretly married." Then he forced me to sign it so he would possess a document that implicated me in blackmail. That was the last I ever saw of Lord Rand Tremley, my husband, the clergyman, or the butler. I set off at once to the city with my belongings. And you have done nothing about this for the past ten years? No, nothing. What could I do? I had little money and no friends. Who would believe my story? Besides, Lord Rantremley had a letter signed by myself that would convict me of blackmail, and the butler would swear to anything against me. You have no marriage certificate, of course. No. And what has become of the clergyman? I do not know. And what of Lord Rantremley's son? It was announced that he had gone on a voyage to Australia for his health in a sailing ship, which was wrecked on the African coast and everyone on board lost. What is your own theory? That my husband was killed by the blow given to him in the chapel. Madam, that does not sound credible. A blow from the fist seldom kills. But he fell backwards and his head struck the sharp stone steps at the foot of the altar. 
My husband was dead. Well, madam, what do you expect of me? I hoped you would investigate and perhaps find where Reginald is buried. I realize I have no proof, but that will corroborate my strange story. Could you lay the facts before the present Lord Rantrimley? I have done so. With what result? His lordship said my story was preposterous. He discovered the letter which I typed and signed. He said the fact that I had waited until everyone who could corroborate my story was dead, combined with the improbability of the narrative itself, would very likely consign me to prison if I had made public statement on the matter. Well, you know, madam, I think his lordship is right. He offered me an annuity of 50 pounds which I refused. In that refusal, madam, I think you are wrong. If you take my advice, you will accept the annuity. It is not the money I am after, although God knows I need it. But I am the Countess of Rantremley, and I wish my right to that name acknowledged. My character has been under a shadow for ten years. If Lord Rantremley will destroy the letter which I was compelled to write under duress... And if he will give me a written acknowledgement that no future charges will be brought against me, he may enjoy his money in peace. I want none of it. Have you asked him to do this? Yes. He refuses to destroy the letter. But wishing to be fair, he said he would allow me a pound a week for life, entirely through his generosity. And you refused? Yes, I refused. <sighs> Madam... I regret to say that I cannot do anything with regard to your case. We have absolutely nothing to go on except your unsupported word. Lord Rantremley was perfectly right when he said no one would credit your story. I beg you to heed my advice and accept the annuity. You have been kind to listen for so long. Good day. Before the week is out, I predict that Lord Rantremley himself will call to see me. The next morning, the Earl of Rantremley appeared at my apartment. Lord Rantremley, you have come to learn whether I can catch the ghost in the old castle which bears your name? How did you guess that? Oh, it's not a guess, but rather a deduction. Please have a seat, my lord. Yes, thank you. Now, about the ghost with the club foot, my lord. I place no credit in ghost stories, sir. I now possess property representing many thousand pounds. Perhaps you are aware that I propose to build a modern mansion on the estate. Yes, I saw the letter in the Times. Then you do intend to destroy it? Not at present. Not until the public clamor has subsided. Nevertheless, there is a great deal of unproductive capital locked up in that property. Then why is it locked up? Because of this absurd belief that the place is haunted. Well, what is your theory regarding the ghost, my lord? How can a sane man have a theory about ghosts? I do, however, have a theory regarding the noises heard in the castle. It is a huge, ramshackle old place with a honeycomb of caverns underneath the cellars. I believe these caves are occupied by smugglers and thieves, and knowing the legends that surround the place, frighten away fools by impersonating ghosts. Uh, you want me to uncover their lair, then? Precisely. Could I stay in the castle itself? 
Yes, of course. Although you will need to take some companion from the city, since none of the locals will go near the place. Uh, perhaps, my lord, the chief of police in the village will allow a constable to accompany me. <laughs> no, the police are as superstitious as the peasantry. After a few nights in the castle, the constabulary threatened to resign en masse. They said they heard groans and shrieks and the beat of a clubfoot on the oaken floors. Perfectly absurd, of course, but there you are. Why, I cannot even get a laborer to clear up the mess from the tragedy that took place six weeks ago. The beds are untouched, the broken china and the silver lay right at the foot of the stairs, and everything is just as it was when the inquest took place. Oh, very well, my lord. The case is of some interest to me. I will leave for Rantremley Castle within the week. My next move was to pay a visit to Sophia Brooks. Good morning, Lady Rantremley. Oh, Monsieur Valmont, please excuse my stupidity. Will you take a chair? Oh, thank you, madam. I have come to ask you a question. Can you cook? Have you come to offer me a position as a cook? Yes, madam. At Rantremley Castle. You are going there? Yes, madam. I leave on the ten o'clock train tomorrow. I am commissioned by Lord Rantremley to investigate the possibility of ghosts in the castle. I am allowed to bring along whoever I wish, and I thought that you, who know the place very well having lived there, might be of some assistance. Yes, of course I will accompany you, Monsieur Valmont. Excellent. Meet me at Euston Station tomorrow morning, and we may be able to discover all you wish to know regarding the mystery of Rantrimley Castle. Rantrimley Castle is certainly a grim old place. No wonder it has a reputation for being haunted. The chief constable seems to believe in the club-footed ghost. He had no inclination to guide us to the castle at nightfall. But he agreed to join us in the morning to answer questions, and he turned over the keys without hesitation. I intend to spend the evening investigating this cavernous old pile using my new electric flashlights. Let's begin at the foot of the grand staircase, where the wicked old butler met his end. Yes, we walked past it on our way in. My apologies. There, just as his lordship told me, lies the silver breakfast tray with utensils and broken fragments of plates, cups, and so forth scattered about. Yet, as so often happens, it is not the things here that are most interesting. It is the objects which are not here that tell the bigger tale. What do you mean? I will explain later. Where is the bedroom of the old lord? Where did he sleep? It is upstairs and to the right. Here, let me show you. This was his lordship's quarters. Interesting. The coverings on the bed are turned down just as they were when his lordship sprang to the floor, who, in spite of his deafness, must have heard the fatal crash at the foot of the stairs. Yes, it must be just as they left it, the day of the tragedy. And what of this great oaken chest at the head of the bed? That's where the old lord kept his garments. There's probably little of interest in there. It is not the contents which are of interest to me. See how the chest is about six inches from the wall? I wonder if the constabulary bothered to look behind the chest. 
<laughs> what was that? Is there someone else in the house? No, that was an echo of your own laughter. The walls of the old house are like the sounding boards on a violin and reverberate all noises from within. What was behind the chest? Please, madam, I do not wish to make conjectures until my investigation is completed. Yet it is easy to understand how superstitious people have come to believe the house is haunted, considering the acoustics of the place. When I lived here, I quickly discovered that if you tread quickly along the uncovered floor of the corridor and stop suddenly, you will hear the sound of steps going on. Hmm, interesting. Let's examine the head of the stairs where the butler took the fall that led to his death. Yes, bare polished boards, and seemingly there are no... Wait. Yes, there it is. How gratifying. It is amazing how much we have learned in so short a time. And look, there, under the table, a piece of paper. What is it? It appears to be the note which the dying nobleman was attempting to write with his half-paralyzed hand when he expired. It appears to be meaningless with only two words and the initial letter of a third. Barely legible, but you can sometimes decipher it by using various angles and partially closing your eyes. Yes, the first two words appear to be the secret, and the next letter appears to be a K. No, I believe it is an R. Well, perhaps we will find out more about this message soon. Shh! Listen! Listen! Do you hear that? No, madam, I'm afraid I heard nothing. Listen, I heard my husband call me three times, very softly. Nonsense, madam. While my hearing is not as acute as it once was, I heard no voices. <gasps> Please, madam, no hysterics. What was it? Madam, I do not know. Very possibly the club-footed ghost of Rantrimley. Do you believe in ghosts, Monsieur uh, Valmont? Uh, last night I did not, but at this hour I believe in only one thing, which is that we both need some sleep. I apologize for my outburst. Hmm. There is no need to apologize. At this moment, you are not the only panic-stricken person at the top of the stairs. Please let me escort you to your room where I can properly bid you good night. The next morning, the chief constable arrived, and I put some life into that unimaginative man. How have your investigations been progressing, Monsieur Valmont? It may help, chief constable, if I might make a few inquiries of you. Of course. Proceed. What made you think that the butler was ascending the stairs when he fell? He was going up with my lord's breakfast. Did it not occur to you that if such were the case, the silver pitcher would have not been empty, and besides, the broken dishes, there would have been rolls, butter, toast, and whatnot strewn about the floor? There was no one else for him to bring breakfast to. That is where I believe you are mistaken. Do you have the boots the butler wore? He did not wear boots, sir. He... He wore a pair of cloth slippers. Well, do you know where they are? Yes, they're in the closet. Very well. Bring them out, examine their soles, and sticking in one of them, you will find a short sliver of oak flooring. Well, blow me down. 
There's the oak splinter, just like you said. Now, if you take this piece of oak to the top of the stair, you will see that it fits exactly the slight interstice at the edge of one of the planks. Blow me down again. It fits perfectly. The butler was not going up the stairs, but was coming down, shuffling along with the tray. His slipper was impaled by this sliver, and he went headfirst down the stair. The startling point, however, is the fact that he was not carrying my lord's breakfast to him or taking it away from him, but that there was someone else in the castle for whom he was caterer. Who is that person? I'm blessed if I know, I, but I think you're wrong there, eh? He may not have been carrying up the breakfast, but he certainly was taking away the tray as... It's shown by the empty dishes you just pointed out. No, Constable. When his lordship heard the crash, he sprang impulsively from his bed and upset his own breakfast tray, which landed between the oaken chest and the wall, complete with breakfast remnants. Well, bless my soul. No, the main point is not the disaster to the butler, nor even the shock to his lordship, but the fact that the tray was used to bring food to a prisoner, who probably has probably not eaten for the last six weeks. Then he is a dead man. I find it easier to believe in a living man than in a ghost. I think I heard his footsteps at midnight, so I have awaited your arrival with some impatience. The words his late lordship endeavored to write on the paper were the secret, followed by an R. If he finished his sentence, it would have read the secret room. Now, constable, it is a matter of legend that a secret room exists in this castle. Do you know where it is? No one knows where the secret room is or the, or the way to enter it, except, except the lords of Rantremley. Well, I can assure you that the present Lord Rantrimley knows nothing about it. I have been taking some rough measurements, and I surmise that the secret room is to the left of this stairway. Probably a whole suite of rooms exists, for there is certainly a stair coinciding with this one, and up that stair at midnight I heard a club-footed man ascend. If the walls are so thick that a prisoner's cry has not been heard... How could you hear his footsteps? That is a good question, Constable, and to answer, I would first point out that the entrance hall is twice as wide at the entrance doors as it is near the stairway. If you stand with your back to the front door, you will see that marvelous carved oak newel post. You might imagine that the stairway like the hall was once twice as wide as it is now. We are seeing only half of it, and doubtless we shall find a similar newel post inside the hidden room. But that does not explain the footsteps you heard. There was a partition built straight up the middle of the staircase. The walls need not be thick to be impenetrable to sound. Two courses of brick and a space between filled with muffling material would do it. The planks of the stairs, though, were left intact. When a man walks up the secret stairway, his footsteps reverberate until one would swear that some unseen person was treading next to them on the staircase. By heavens! Now, officer, I have here a pickaxe and a crowbar. I propose that we settle the question at once. You surely would not break the wall without... Permission from his lordship. Constable, I suspect that the ostensible Lord Rantrimley will soon be usurped by a very emaciated but genuine Lord Rantrimley, who is within fifty feet of us. 
If you are instrumental in his rescue, your interests will not suffer. Right, sure. Uh, where shall we begin? Since the butler was carrying the meal upstairs, I think we will save time if we begin on the landing. Right, sure. Wait a moment. I think the hole is big enough. I'll go first. It is pitch dark in here. Give me a flashlight. Yes. It's on the other side of the staircase. Come on through. It's... It's just as you said, sir. Come. There was a door. Quickly, quickly, there is a man in the bed. He looks dead. We'll see. Sir. Sir. Is that you at last, you evil old butler? Bring me something to eat in heaven's name. Constable, help me move this man downstairs where we can get him sustenance and make him comfortable. A moment, please. It is difficult to move quickly with a club foot. After a little chicken and two glasses of wine, the prisoners seemed to come back to life. Where is that butler? Dead. Did I kill him? No. He fell down the stairway and broke his neck. <laughs> Good. Where is my father? Who is your father? Lord Rantremley. Well, he is dead also. How did he die? He passed away from a stroke of paralysis on the morning the butler was killed. Do you know a girl named Sophia Brooks? Yes, she is my wife. For ten years, she thought you were dead. Ten years? Good God, do you mean I've only been in there ten years? Why, I'm an old man. I must be sixty at least. No, actually, you are in your thirties. Is Sophia... She is all right. She is here. Here? Somewhere on the grounds. She is taking a walk and will not return until around noon. I would like to be trimmed up a bit before I see Sophia. I can do that for you, my lord. My lord? Oh, yes, I understand. You are a policeman, are you not? Yes, my lord. Chief Constable. Then I place myself in your custody. I killed the butler. Oh, that's impossible, my lord. No, it isn't. The butler was getting old, and one morning he forgot to close the door behind him. I followed him out, and at the head of the stairs planted my foot in the small of his back and sent him headlong down the stairs. I did not mean to kill the old villain just to escape, and as I was about to run downstairs, I was appalled to see my father holding a gun on me. My only means of escape was to jump back through the secret door, and he slammed it shut. Where is the secret door? It is in the fireplace on the landing. The whole fireplace moves inward if you push the carved ornament at the left-hand corner. Yes, ingenious. But I unintentionally killed the butler, Constable, I swear. My lord, we'll say nothing about that. Legally, you didn't do it. You, you see, uh, there's been an inquest on the butler, and the, and the jury brought into the verdict uh, death by accident through stumbling from the top of the stair. You can't go behind the coroner's back, my lord. Indeed. Constable, I've been behind that accursed chimney for too long. No, I don't want to go back behind anything right now. And so Monsieur Valmont once again wins the day. 
Like his counterpart, Sherlock Holmes, he demonstrates keen deductive powers and even better manners. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of The Ghost with the Club Foot by Robert Barr, brought to you by the Maplewood Barn Radio Players. Our performers in this show today were Charlie Wilkerson as Valmont, Sandra Jones was Sophia, Lord Ren Tremley and The Prisoner were portrayed by Chris Bowling with Byron Scott as the constable. The show was engineered and narrated by Darren Hellwedge and adapted for radio by Brad Buchanan. Amy Humphrey and Joe Hayes did the post-production. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week at the same time for another classic story from the Maplewood Barn Radio Theater right here on KBIA.